Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is using Adventure Church to speak into your life. If you would like to support Adventure Church financially, you can do so online and help us bring messages just like this one to you each and every week. Now let's prepare our hearts to hear a word from God. We're glad you're here today. Uh, We are in our series Rock Bottom, continuing on with that today. We'll wrap this up uh, next week. Uh, But what do you do when life falls apart? You know, sometimes things happen in life that kind of blindside us, that uh, take us by surprise, that we're not a result of our own doing or choices that we make. And we talked in week one about, man, when that happens, you got to keep looking up. You got to keep your eyes on Jesus and off of your situation that, that he can and still will work in your life in the midst of, of trying times that we don't stop in the valley. The temptation, the devil will try to get you to throw in the towel. But we keep walking through the valley, we keep pursuing Jesus and keep moving, and all the while proclaiming God's promises, praising our way out of the pit, that there's power in the word of God as we proclaim those truths over our lives, and that Romans 8 is a promise for all of us, that God can leverage purpose out of anything in our life if we will give him the permission to do so. And so we wrapped up week one, and then we kind of shifted gears a little bit, and then we, we, we embraced the reality that sometimes we make bad decisions, that sometimes we make choices that land us in a position that we don't want to be in, rock bottom experiences. And when we do, we got to kind of dismiss some myths that will keep us from moving forward. The, the experience myth, we talked about that experience doesn't make us wiser, it just makes us older. That evaluated experience is what makes us wiser. And it's making sure that when we find ourselves in a situation that we've made some bad choices that we don't repeat them again. And it's only by evaluating those things. And that just because you know better doesn't always mean you're going to do better. And so we have to realize that we have to have a plan in place to help us get out of the pit, out of the rock bottom experience. And that time is on your side. We think that time is against us so we rush into things and it always creates more problems when we do that. And we talked about how owning our part of the problem is key to moving forward, that your best bet for a successful future is to own your share of the past, that you can't blame your way to a better future. So we embrace where we're at and we take ownership, even if it's a small part of why we're where we're at. And as we do that, the Bible says that God will help us. And then Pastor Mel did a great job last week looking through the life of Job and that we all will experience loss at times in our lives and it's our response to loss that really sets the tone and makes the difference of whether you're going to stay at rock bottom or you're going to move out of it. And so today we're going to move on. And I just, as we kind of are recapping this, I want you to know that maybe you are at rock bottom. And I want you to know that that rock bottom is simply a catalyst. It's a it's a landing pad for your future. How many of you are thankful for a new day, for a new start? You're in church this morning. Come on, somebody, you made it to church. That means that God is with you. That there's hope. And that you're here. And so whenever you're here, wherever you're in God's presence, wherever you get into his word, that there's hope for you. So you may feel like you're in a helpless situation, but I want you to know that you're hope. And if you've hit rock bottom, there's only one way to go, and it's up, all right? And today you can hold on to that truth that you're on your way up. Look at your neighbor, in fact, and say, you're on your way up. You're on your way. Today is going to be a good day. And so as we get into part four of this, I want to... Uh, open it with this idea that when we hit rock bottom, when we have these experiences in our lives, we all ask the same question, and it's this. What was I thinking, right? What was I thinking? I made some choices, and when I look back, I go, what was I thinking? Why did I date him? 
He was cute, but he wasn't that cute, right? Like, why did I get into this relationship? I, I don't even understand. You know, it was the deal of a lifetime, 0% down, no payments for 12 months. Seemed like a good idea at the time, but here I am. What was I thinking? You know, I was trying to think back over some what was I thinking moments in my life, and there's lots, lots of them, but, but for the sake of, you know, not embarrassing myself or maybe someone else who was maybe the bad choice that I made, I won't share names today, but there's this country song uh, by a guy named Dirks Bentley, and it says, he says in the song, he says, I know what I was feeling, but what was I thinking, right? <laughs> I know what I was feeling, but man, what was I thinking? Why did I put myself in this situation, I got caught up in the moment, and oftentimes our feelings do that, right? They lead us astray, and we look back and go, I was feeling it then, but man, I'm not feeling it now. And if I just would have hit pause long enough to really think about what I was going to do, man, maybe I could have avoided that. And, and we make these terrible decisions that land us at rock bottom. And so today we're going to talk about how do we avoid that? Because we ask this question, everybody asks the question, but have you paused long enough to answer the question? Right, Because you can't just ask it, you got to answer it. And for some of you, that's where you're at. you just got to answer, what was I thinking? But you need the time in order to find the answer that maybe you're looking for. Because if we're all honest, we all make decisions and we look back and we, we don't even know what we were thinking. We can't even find the answer because we just moved on so quickly to the next decision, to the next thing, that we haven't been able to learn the lesson that God wants us to learn. And so... When we hit these rock bottom experiences, we have to make changes in order to move forward. It's not just going to happen. We have to do different things because if we keep doing the same thing over and over again, we're not going to get to where we want to go, right? If you keep thinking the same way, doing the same things, you're going to end up in the same place. I think that's the definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And some of you keep finding yourself in positions and places that you go, I don't want to be here. But you've never allowed the time to really think. And that's what we're going to talk about today is how we have to rethink some things in our lives and have to give the Spirit permission to do what He wants to do. And I think the biggest change that we need to make is changing the way we think. If you think the way you used to think, listen, you will do the things you used to do. Proverbs 23, 7 says it like this, For as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. That your thoughts determine your life, your thoughts shape your life, that there's so much power. And if you dig in to the science, I'd encourage you to look up uh, a, a doctor named Dr. Caroline Leaf. She's written some great books on this topic about how the power of our thoughts, she's a Christian scientist, right? Go figure. And, and she uses science to prove the, the scripture and, and how, how our thoughts really shape things. And if we constantly allow negativity and negative thoughts, that they will produce negative results in our life. And so if we can get the truth in us, If we can change our thought process, the Bible says, man, that we can really experience the freedom that we want. The Apostle Paul gives us this teaching on how we need to think correctly and how we can change the way that we're thinking. In Romans 12, 1, this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. He says this, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters. So first off, he's writing to Christians. And maybe today you're here and you haven't gone all in yet. You haven't really decided to be a Christ follower. And so you can just listen to some good advice today. But for those of you who are Christians, let me tell you something. Paul's saying, hey you, brother, sister, you're on the hook for what I'm about to tell you. You're on the hook. So just embrace it. This is the truth. 
that we have to do. So he says, in view of God's mercy, this is so important that we talked about our perspective on our situation in our life. He says, in view of God's mercy, so first, get your view on God's mercy. What did he do for you, that he died for you, that Jesus has offered you, you know, this, this amazing opportunity to engage your heavenly father in relationships. So he says, getting your eyes off of all of your stuff and your problems and getting it on Jesus, looking up to him in view of that. Get the right perspective. He says this, when you see Jesus for who he really is, he says, offer your body as a living sacrifice. And the Greek there means like your life, not like the, the, your actions, what you do, that you offer everything that you are, the, 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 the very behaviors that you have, that you offer that to Jesus. Not just an hour on Sunday morning, but that every day that you say, God, here I am. A living sacrifice. And, and he says in the Old Testament, like the, to experience forgiveness, to have any kind of you know, relationship with God, you had to offer sacrifices. So people would bring animals, the best of what they had, which was at that time their income and, and how their livelihood. They would bring that to Jesus and they would sacrifice an animal and it was the blood of that animal that would produce the forgiveness of sin. But Jesus was the final sacrifice. Amen. How many of you are thankful that Jesus did that? I'm glad because I wouldn't be able to handle all the animals that that you would have to bring up in here for all the junk that you guys do every week, right? I don't want to clean that up, but thank God Jesus willingly and voluntarily died. He's saying in view of that, man, in view of what he did, he was the final sacrifice. Now you don't have to do all this stuff. You can know God, and in view of what he did, man, give him everything. Offer your life. Give your best to Jesus. And that's what he's saying here, that it's not just one moment of your life, but it's a continual relationship that you are developing. And I'm telling you, in order to fully live for Jesus, you have to die to yourself. That's the sacrifice. You die to you. You die to your flesh. You die to the way you used to be. You die to those things, and you embrace all that he has. And you may go, well, I want to do that. Well, how do I do that? Paul goes on, verse 2, he says, So, in view of that, offer your lives. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Don't conform, be transformed by renewing your mind. Isn't that amazing? He didn't say be transformed by, you know, reading your Bible more, which helps to renew your mind. I'm going to get to that. But it wasn't like this simple thing, be transformed by something. He says transform by this, by changing the way that you think. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. He's saying don't be like everyone else. If you're like everyone else, you're going to end up like everyone else. Don't drift with the current of this world. I'm telling you, right, we never drift to good things. I drift to Wendy's. I don't drift to the salad bar. I tell you guys that all the time. You know, Frosty's call my name. I drift. My car just there's, it's out of alignment. I don't know how, but I always end up in the drive through right? I drift to things that aren't good for me. And he's saying is, is if you just drift with the world, so you come to know Jesus and you continue to just allow culture and you just continue to go with the flow of culture, it's not going to lead you to where you want to be. By, in fact, the Bible says that, that road will lead to death. It will kill you. It will destroy you. Sin will lead us that way. He says it takes effort to, to, to allow God to transform you. It takes no effort to go with the flow. No effort. You just drift. You just go where you want to go. They do what you want to do. He says, don't do that. Be transformed. Don't be a cookie cutter. Don't allow culture just to kind of stamp you out and send you down the assembly line. He says, be different. Man, cookie cutter, conforming, that's boring. He says, be a transformer, right? And who doesn't want to be Optimus Prime? Come on, somebody, right? 
Be Optimus Prime. He's saying, look, you could be a cookie cutter. They ain't going to stand out, but Optimus Prime, Transformer. Man, Optimus Prime's legit, you guys. You need to see them. I mean, so you can be this or you can be a transformer. That you can say, I'm not going to just go with the flow. I'm going to allow myself to be transformed by God so then I can transform others. So then that I can be a transformer of culture and not conformer to it, right? That's what God wants for you. But it takes the renewing of your mind to be able to do that. I mean, come on. Who wants to just be conformed when you have the opportunity to be transformed. And Optimus Prime's got some crazy power, but I'm telling you, the Spirit of God at work in you is powerful. He can transform you. He can transform your life. But here's the deal. Willpower is not enough. A lot of times we think that. We hit rock bottom, we need a change, and we go, I'll do it. This time I'm going to handle it. I'm gonna be, it's going to be different. I'm going to be strong enough. I have the willpower. I have the determination. And I'm just telling you, willpower is part of the solution but it's not all of it. Willpower alone does not work. If you don't think I'm lying, just think about your last diet. Right? I mean, for me, diet always starts tomorrow or Monday. That's my life. You know, Monday. Monday, I'm back on it, right? Willpower is not enough. It can't transform you alone. We need to be transformed by the way we think. And if you continue to do what you used to do you're, and, and think the way you used to think, you're going to do what you used to do. And until you change the way you think, you're not going to be different. What happened last time will happen next time. It'll be just like last time unless you decide to allow the Spirit of God to change the way you think. You've got to do something different. It's funny when we talk about diet and exercise and we laugh, but, but what about when it comes to your marriage? That you want it to be transformed, but you keep conforming. And nothing has changed because you haven't changed and you haven't allowed God to, to change you. And you haven't really made the steps possible to see God do something in your marriage, in your finances. Some of you are rock bottom financially. You're in a mound of debt. You see no way out. You're trying to get out. And, and, but yet the patterns and, and the behaviors of your life, the mindset is still the same. And we're going to talk about some of these mindsets and assumptions that we make that we have to get rid of before we close out today. And so Paul is saying you have to be transformed. You can't conform. And he says, and you do it by renewing your mind. And he says, then you will know and be able to test what God's will is. His good will, his perfect will, his pleasing will. But to be transformed by renewing the mind, if you look at that word in the Greek, the renewing means to kind of restore. How many of you ever had like a computer crash, right? And it just gets wiped and you got to restore it with the, the software again. You have to restore the way it operates. And, and that's kind of what Paul is saying, that, that you have to restore it. But in order to restore it, you first got to remove it. Right? You got to clean the hard drive. The way you used to think, you got to just start with a clean slate. You got to clean it off. And, and to renew, you have to remove and then replace. To restore, you remove first then you replace. And the problem is, is that many of us, we want transformation, but we haven't taken off the old so that we can put on the new. Listen to what Paul goes on to say in Ephesians, a different book to a different church, but he says this, he says, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, you say, hey, you've been in church, you've heard about him, you're learning about him. It says this though, that, that there's still something you gotta do. You gotta throw off your old sinful nature. Your former way of life, you've got to throw it off. It says it's corrupted. It's no good. It's corrupted by lust. It's, it's corrupted by deception. You've got to throw it off. So he says the first thing, you've got to throw that off. You've got to get that mindset out of here. The way, the things you used to, throw it off. It says instead, so in, in, throw it off, and now 
Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Here he goes, going back to what we, the way we think. Allow him to change the way you think, to restore, throw off the old, allow God to download some new software onto your mind, put on the new nature, created to be like God, truly holy and righteous. So he says, you gotta throw off and put on. There's choices that we make to embrace the newness that God brings. And what happens if you put on the new before you've taken off the old? It peels off, right? Uh, the, the west side of my house, where most of the weather comes from, is like one of the few places on my house where I have some wood trim around my garage. And, and every year, like, you know, how many of you know scraping old paint off is not fun, right? It's so much easier just to put new paint over the old paint. So that's what I do every year. That's what I do. Because I don't want to scrape off the old because when I put the new on over the old, it eventually, when it gets weathered, when storms come, it just peels off. And many of us do that. We never deal with the old. We never allow God to change us, to change our mindset. We put on new. We start new things. We engage in God. We go to church. We start this new lifestyle. But we've never really dealt with the old. And what happens is, is when the storm comes, when the rough waves come, when the weather comes, the old kind of resurfaces. And the new just kind of peels off. And so Paul is saying, you have to renew. And, and to renew, you've got to restore. And to do that, you have to remove and replace. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 9, 17, he says, No one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the old skins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine, ruining the skins. New wine is stored in new wineskins so that both are preserved. Jesus is saying, you've got to get rid of the old to embrace the new. The old mindset, your old way of thinking. Scripture tells us to take captive every thought that comes in, right? This culture, what we easily conform to, says it's all about you. Please yourself. Do what you want to do. Take care of you. Don't worry about anybody else. That's not your business. They're not your problem. You're the problem. Handle yourself. Don't care about things. Don't serve. Don't give. It's all about you. That's our culture. That's the current that we can easily drift with. That's the way that we can easily go, and we got to throw off that way of thinking we got to get rid of that mindset and embrace what Paul said. Offer your life. It's a living sacrifice in view of what he's done for you. Don't conform to that way of thinking. God has more for you than just to conform to this culture. He's got more for you. Be transformed. Be a transformer. you got to get rid of that old mindset, your old perspective, where we shift from a, a me-centered world to a God-centered world, where we get our eyes off of the temporary and on the eternal, where it's no longer about my kingdom, but about the kingdom of God. We shift our way of thinking. We change our mindset. Renewal, though. Changing the way you think. Think about it. It takes time. It takes time. Listen, God can do something. I've seen him deliver people. I've seen him set people free. I've seen him heal people in an instant. But for most of the time, because God's more concerned about the process than he is the destination, he's more concerned about the journey and what he's doing in you and how he's shaping you and preparing you, that God takes us through a process. And, and, and you didn't get at rock bottom overnight, did you? So you don't always get out of it. Sometimes you can, man. And I believe you'll get out of it faster than you got into it because now you're working with Jesus and he's for you and not against you. You're not going, you know, you're going with him and he's helping you. But it takes time. That's why we said time is your friend. A lot of times people get into these experiences and they rush right back into something else. And rush will always lead to ruin. Rushing is never good. It takes time to do that. 
I tell people all the time, when you go through a big life change, something big happens. You lose someone, tragedy strikes, you make a bad decision, you lose your job, you're in a financial crisis. Wherever you do, don't make any big decisions for at least a year. You get divorced, your relationship ends, don't at least a year. At least, that's minimum. I would say five years, but I know most of you won't even wait one, so whatever. But wait one, at least one. Allow time, maturity, allow God to do what he needs to do. The, the issue isn't how committed and sincere you are. When we hit these places, we're committed. We're sincere. God, we want to change. But have you had the time to allow God to really renew your mind, to take the old away, to get rid of the old so that you can embrace the new? You see, and once you've spent time renewing your mind, Paul says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is for your life. How many of you want to know what God's will is for your life? Come on, does anybody not want to know? Like, God, I want to know what you want to do. I want to, I want to know what your will is. I, I'm at a crossroad. Which way do I go? Both seem good. God, what do you want? What is your will for my life? Paul says it's this. Don't conform. Be transformed. Allow God the time to renew your mind. And when you do, then you will know. Then you'll know. God will have done his work, and he'll show you what he wants you to do with your life. But it takes time to renew your mind. And here's what you got to do. This is your part. God will do it. The Spirit of God. And we're, he'll, he'll change you. He'll help you. He'll do those things. But you have to make the investment of time to renew your mind. You have to choose what to do with your time. You get to choose whatever you want to do with your time. And you have to invest it. And I'm telling you, it's an investment of time. Follow me. Investment of your time over time that leads to transformation. And it's amazing when I see people do it. They'll go, listen, I didn't even know how I was doing, but man, I just kept doing what God told me to do. I was investing my time in the things of God, and here I am, down the road, years away from where I used to be, and now I know what God wants me to do. Now I've been transformed. I don't think the way I used to think. I don't do the things I used to do. God has transformed me, but it takes time to do that. There's some things that I believe that can contribute to our transformation that we have to invest our time in. And one of them is this, and I know I'm biased and I'm kind of preaching to the choir a little bit because you're all here today, but I'm telling you, a commitment to be in church is key for your life. It's key. To be in God's presence, so we talked about earlier, to be in an environment where you're encouraged and strengthened and and you can sense God moving in your life, that it's so important. Culture says just keep drifting. And look, I get it, you're busy. This time of year, as soon as summer hits, our attendance every year, I know it was only four years of, five years of, of, of statistics, but we drop 25 to 30% as soon as the weather gets nice. And it's okay, I, go on vacation, go to the lake. But listen, I'm just telling you, it, I, I would love it for myself if I only had to work out twice a month and I would just be in great shape. Finally showed up to the gym twice a month. If I only ate two clean meals a week, that I would just be miraculously be. And I wish it was that case for you, because the average person in our church only comes twice a month. And I wish twice a month would be enough for you to see the transformation you so desperately want to see. But let me just tell you, it's not enough. And four times a month isn't enough. Because it takes more than an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday morning to see the transformation that God wants to do. It's an investment of time over time. Church is where it starts. 
where you can be renewed. You're hearing God's word. You're being challenged. You know what else is awesome? Is that your kids who are immersed in a culture that is changing every day and pulling more and more away from biblical values and the schools your kids go to, that my go to. But you know what? On Sunday mornings, you know what their teachers are telling them? God loves you. He's your friend and he has a purpose for your life. Every week they're hearing that. So they're not going to conform to culture. They're going to be transformed. And so it's a commitment to say as a family, man, we're going to be in the house of God. We're going to hear about the things of God. My kids are going to be in youth group. My kids are going to be in kid venture because they get enough from culture. I got to make sure that the spirit of God is having the time he needs to transform me and to transform my family. It's not going to happen without an investment of your time. It's not going to happen. We want to know God's will. We want to be transformed, but it's not going to happen overnight. That's why you got to get in a life group. you got to get out of a row into a circle. Quit sitting side to side by people. Get face to face. That's where growth happens. That's where accountability happens. That's where encouragement happens. Listen, rock bottom will happen. Tragedies will happen. The diagnosis will come. The financial crisis will come. And I hope when it does that you have people in your life that will hold you up, that will pray for you, that will encourage you, that will walk with you, that will bring you a meal, that will show up to the funeral. That's what you need. The transformation that takes place as iron sharpens iron. Over time, we sharpen one another. We get in God's word on our own. Again, one meal a week isn't enough to sustain you, that you get in a healthy diet of God's word. You get a Bible reading plan. Download the YouVersion Bible app. It is accessible and easy for you to do. You can listen to podcasts. Get on Right Now Media. Do what you got to do to get in God's word and allow it to change your mind. We have a model here. What we desire for you, come first. Come, experience Jesus. If you don't know him, here he is. He loves you. He sees you. Receive his plan for your life. Get in it. Then get in a group. Get in a life group. Man, it'll begin to change you. It'll happen. Then get on a team. Start serving. Man, get involved. Get around other people. Start giving of yourself. Get a different mindset. It's not just about you. It's about others. So I'm going to begin to serve and be able to do those things. And I'm telling you, our model's not perfect. Not everybody does it this way. But the reason we do it is because I've seen it work. I've seen people come, not know Jesus, get saved, get baptized, get in a life group and start serving on a team. And I promise you their life is drastically different from where it was the year before because they made an investment of time over time and God is slowly changing them, making him more like them. And they know the will of God for their life. They don't have a desire to go to the bars anymore. They don't have a desire to sleep around anymore. They don't have a desire for the pornography anymore because God is changing them. And he can do it for you. It's an investment of time over time. You see, regret and resolve are not enough. They help you. I don't want to do that anymore. I'm resolved to change. It's not enough. Because people have that desire. I've never met anyone at rock bottom that says, I know, I'm planning on coming back here next week. <laughs> this is great. I love it down here, man. It's so good. No one does that. I'm, but they hit rock bottom, they go, I'm going to change. I'm resolved. I don't, I'm, I'm sorry. I regret what I did. But it's not enough. It's never been enough. It takes more than that. It's allowing God to change the way you think. If you think the way you used to think, you're going to continue to do the things you used to do. There's seven deadly assumptions that I believe people make continually that keep them in their old mindset, that keep them in an old way of thinking that not, doesn't allow God to do what he needs to do. And we have to change the way we think. And quickly, I want to go through these. The first one is this. As I see people say this, they, hit, they have a rough experience, they go through a relationship issue, a divorce, whatever it may be, and they think, if I can find the right person, everything will be all right. 
If I can just find the right one, then my life will be good. Everything else will work out. Everything will be all right. And if you use a relationship as an escape strategy from rock bottom, you undermine that relationship. You undermine what the purpose of that relationship is. Relationships are not designed for rescue. Your spouse cannot save you. Only Jesus can. Your spouse cannot help you change. Only the Spirit of God can. Now, they can be a great encouragement. They can lay down some ultimatums that may inspire you, but regret and resolve are not enough. You need God's help. The right person only will complicate things. And all my married people said, amen. Right? We think people think that. As soon as I get married, all my problems will go away. And anyone who's married or been in a relationship for more than a week goes, yeah, relationships kind of complicate things. They don't simplify my life. They complicate it. But we believe this. It's an assumption that we make. It's an old way of thinking and says that. So I want to tell you, instead of trying to focus on finding the right one, focus on becoming the right one. Spend a season, hit pause, and go, God, you need to do a work in me. Because if I date the same person I dated last time again, I'm going to end up right where I am right now. Unless I change and allow you to do what you need to do, become the person the person you are looking for is looking for. I know I said that pretty fast. Become the person the person you're looking for is looking for. So when they find you, they'll keep you. Amen. Second thing, mindset, assumptions people make that keep them in an old way of thinking. My situation is unique. Well, Kyle, I know that's good advice, but... But I'm unique. I'm different. My situation's totally different. This is what people say to avoid good advice. This is what people say to go around the rules, to dodge the truth. Listen, you are not the exception to the rule. You are unique. Some of you are really unique. But your situation is not. Your situation isn't unique. And so if you have that mindset, well, I'm different, I can handle it, you know, I know that, you know, someone else may not be able to do it this way, but I'm different. I got this. I can handle this. You cannot. Your situation may be, you may be unique, but your situation is not. The third thing is, is it's not right, this mindset, it's not right, but it makes me happy. And Kyle, God wants me to be happy. God wants you to be holy. That's what he says in his word. It doesn't say happy. Now listen, holiness, I believe, will lead to genuine happiness. Doing it God's way will lead you to a fulfilled life, a satisfied life, because Jesus said, I've come to not, to not do anything other than to give you life and life at its fullest. That's what his purpose is. That's why he came, and you have the ability to do that. But if you think, God just wants me to be happy, and I know this isn't right, but it makes me happy, it's not going to work. Paul said you need to be transformed, not happy. And listen, if things are not right, they won't work out right. If it's wrong and you know it's wrong, then it's wrong. You can never make a wrong or right by saying God wants me to be happy. Too many people end up in affairs because they think this way. Well, God wants me to be happy. My wife isn't making me happy. God wants me to be happy. She'll make me happy. I know it's not right, but I want to be happy. You know what that led to? Destruction. Fallout. God's more concerned with your holiness than he is your happiness, and holiness leads to happiness. Number four, if only I had blank, then I would be satisfied. Fill in the blank for you. What is it? This is a mindset that happened. Things, whatever you've got to fill in the blank with, will not satisfy you. 
It's an appetite that if you feed an appetite, it continues to grow. The more you have, the more you will want. No appetite is ever fully and finally satisfied, right? You remember the day after Thanksgiving, you were as full and as finally satisfied as you could be. But guess what? You woke up Friday morning and said, I can't wait to eat leftovers. Because an appetite is never fully and finally satisfied. And this appetite, if only I had blank, is never, because you'll get to blank and then it's something else. You'll get that house, you'll get that car, you'll get into here, you'll get that promotion, and then it's, well, now i got to get here. And we chase something that we can never catch. This attitude, if only had blank, always leads to, what was I thinking? I thought that would do it, it didn't do it. Five is this, I owe is better than I want. Seven deadly assumptions, we got to get rid of these things, we got to change our thinking. I owe is better than I want. This is completely backwards. I'm telling you, I promise you, I want is always better than I owe. In this world and these companies and everybody that you watch, every commercial you see, they spend millions of dollars to make you want. And you go, I want that. I need that. The 06 Odyssey is just not cutting it anymore. I need, I want that. And that always leads us to a place of then I owe. I want always leads to I owe. And we don't want owe, right? How many of you want to owe? Anyone, anything? No one wants to owe, but how many of us owe? The average person in our country has $18,000 of debt. That's not including their mortgage. That's average. Some people have that much on credit cards because of this mentality right here. Well, my card will let me get it. I owe Is never as good as want. And when you owe so much that you end up piled in debt, that's when you hit bottom. So you got to deny that. I want is better than I owe. Six is this, assumptions that will keep you at rock bottom. My secret is safe with me. Secrets leak. Secrets seep out. And when they do, they sink relationships. They destroy marriages. You, you should have told them a long time ago. Well, if they don't know, then we'll be fine. Then I'm, I'm not doing that anymore. But, but eventually things have a way of coming out. In fact, the Bible says it like this. What's done in the dark will always be brought to light. And you know why God does that? Because he cares about your soul. Because he wants you to be free. And the Bible says it's the truth that sets us he wants you to be free. And if your secret's safe with you, it's, well, one, it's not. Two, you'll never be free. The enemy will use that time and time and time and time again to keep you from living fully and freely who God has created you to be. Secrets leak. What's done in the dark will come to the light. It may be embarrassing. It may be expensive, but I promise you it's worth it. Get it out. Turn the light on your situation before someone else does. Ask for help. Get help. Do what you need to do. But if you want to get out, if you want to be transformed, you got to change the way you think. Your secret is not safe with you. And the last one is this. Seven is this. Sex will solve it. That's what our culture says. Sex will fix the problem. Our culture screams this in every ad, every commercial, every movie, every show we watch. Sex will complicate it. Sex will complicate the relationship. It will complicate the problem. And once you're married, sex won't fix a bad marriage. It won't. It takes work. It takes intentionality. 
And listen, I want to say this. Some of you maybe grown up church where like sex is bad, sex, sex is really good. God created it. He created it as a gift. He created it for us to enjoy, but he created sex for a certain context. And that context is marriage. And when you take it out of the context, it goes from being good to being destructive. Sex complicates relationships. Sex creates more problems and more issues. That's what it does. Sex will make it more difficult to do the right thing. Sex will create an obligation. Moving in together will not make you get closer together. It won't work. God has a context and we do it his way. He promises to make sure that we reap the rewards of doing it his way. So today... Again, these seven things, and this is an exhaustive list, there's, there's many more, but I believe these are mindsets that we've got to get rid of, that we've got to throw away the old so that we can embrace the new. The band's going to come, and we're going to close out. We all have times in life where what were we thinking is a question that we ask. And I don't know what the answer is for you, but I know this, you owe yourself an answer. Pause long enough to figure it out. Take the time, don't conform Don't be like everyone else. Be a transformer. Do it God's way. And I believe next time can be better than last time if you're willing to allow God to renew your mind. But it's going to take an investment of time, over time, for you to see those changes. Romans 8, verse 6. Again, the Apostle Paul, same author, different books. He says this, letting your sinful nature... Control your what? Mind. Here he goes again, getting back to our thoughts. Because if we think the way we used to think, we'll do the things we used to do. Our our thoughts shape our life. He says, letting your sinful nature, doing the old things you used to do, allowing that mindset to control your life, it'll lead to death. It'll kill you. He said, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and to peace. Paul goes on, he says that we need to pray without ceasing, that we pray continually. And that doesn't mean, you know, you do the Tebow every three seconds, you know what I mean, and acknowledge that God is there. It's a conversation that you have that's ongoing with this person of God called the Holy Spirit that is now in your life when you receive Jesus. That this Holy Spirit is there. And I, I don't know about you, I've been in conversations before where like you actually have like great advice and you have like great input that you can give but you can't get a word in anybody got family members like that you're just like uh if you would just pause long enough for me to say what i need to say i think we can actually stop this whole conversation right but you can't get a word in and sometimes i feel like that's what the holy spirit is right that he's this person and he's with us all the time and here we are in our lives and we we seek advice and counsel and that's all good and we talk to everyone we do everything but we never go hey holy spirit what do you think You're here, you're with me, you're the son of God. Like You have access to God, you have a power that I don't have. What do you think? What would you want me to do? And I think that's what Paul means when he says you pray without ceasing. It just means that you acknowledge that there's someone with you that has the best advice ever. And if you will simply yield to what he says, he wants to speak, but you gotta give him a word. You gotta give him a moment. And today I feel like that's what the Holy Spirit's saying to some of you. Can I have a moment of your time? I have something I'd like to say to you that I believe will help you. And if you will yield to me and surrender to my ways, I will begin the transformation process and get you to where you want to be. But you need me. In order to do that, you got to get rid of the old, embrace the new, and start investing your time. 
to allow God to renew your mind. It says if you let the Holy Spirit do that, he will lead you to life and to peace. How about you? That sounds really good to me. Life and its abundance and peace that only God can bring. Would you stand with me today? Holy Spirit, in this moment, we invite you to come. And I pray that we would make this song our prayer today. That the Spirit of the living God would speak to us. We give you now a moment to speak into our lives, to speak into our situation. God, we want to change. We want to become who you've called us to be. And God, we pray that the transformation process will start today. We give you the time that you need in this moment to begin to shape us and to mold us into who you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.